What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 10 DFS MVP Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 4from4.com. Back, as always, with my trusty co-host, Mr. John Daigle, Mr. Pat Corain. Boys, welcome to the double-digit weeks and another 10-game ugly slate. How goes it? Double-digit weeks? We, we yeah. made it, guys. We did it. Uh, for DFS, still... Still over half the season left for DFS, so uh, right. don't rem- don't remind yourself about that. But it's a fun slate because there are no values at running back in particular, and there are I think six quarterbacks in ceiling spots. So there's no reason to chase the chalk either, and I think the chalk varies across sites because there are completely different salaries for some of these quarterbacks on FanDuel and DraftKings. So it's going to be fun to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, uh, like we said, uh, another short slate. Um, another, there's one or two games that have decent over-unders, but uh, a lot of low over-unders as we've seen quite a bit in the past few weeks. One thing that I have been encouraged by is that uh, obviously it's very hard to take down a GPP. Um, but, and Daigle mentioned this in our Slack, the, I'm sorry, in our, our Discord the other day, that like we, we've been on the right track, at least in terms like things like we saw CJ Stroud last week on slot win the Sunday Million and the Millionaire. And, it's, and like, and that doesn't happen a lot. Like we, we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, like onslaughts are viable in these spots. Um, it's only the fifth Millionaire winner going back to the start of 2020 to use five players from the same game, four players from the same offense. So like things like this, we are on and, and we're very aware that these things are, are viable. Um, so it has been like the macro of things has been very exciting. Even if the micro be it the team projections or the player projections haven't been as exciting. Uh, I, I think the macro un- unraveling has been pretty fun. I completely agree. And I am going to start leaning more towards those onslaught game stacks. I'll even talk about a few options this week. I think that's been a common theme for smaller fields. I still think you need the the one-off wild card play and the large ones like the $9 slant. The Millie Maker got there last week, but I still think you do need like the one percenter. Uh, but in smaller fields, even like up to only 5,000 entries, I think the four to six players and two to three receivers, not to mention two runbacks, is starting to become more viable, especially this week. Because again, last week I talked about how I couldn't pick a quarterback because the slate was so ugly. I was like, we can actually do anything on this slate because I don't trust anyone. And CJ Stroud was part of our options. I, I wrote about Noah Brown and the tournament article too as one of my favorite double stacks with Stroud. But this week, again, there are really six quarterbacks in the best spot possible. I love them all. So uh, we will talk about those game environments as a whole, thinking that maybe we can get five to six players there at each one. Yeah, and uh, one thing that has been um, guiding our insight on these game environments has been the walkthrough on Legendary Upside uh, that Crane writes every single week, goes through game by game. And I think it's especially important to dive into that this week uh, where a lot of people start with the the game stacks or the quarterback stacks for the top five fantasy scores, the top three overall fantasy scores, not on the main slate. So as Daigle said, we can get pretty deep in uh, where we're going with the quarterbacks, six quarterbacks he likes on only a 10-game slate. Uh, Corrine, uh, we'll, we'll save your cover boy for a little bit later in the sh- show, but, um, anything you want to highlight from this week's walkthrough before we dive into everything? It's a bit interesting. I think there's a couple spots where like I was looking at targets concentrating a bit, uh, to some of the, these, these wide receivers. 
Um, I think we'll talk about the Titans game a bit later, but I think that one's really interesting. Kind of a like a little bit of um, a shakier spot. One that I, I started to get really excited about the Seahawks um, and just that game environment. And we'll get to all of that kind of more of a higher confidence type of play. But the Titans one is definitely pretty fun. And partly because I think we're potentially looking at some real target concentration there. Um, and I also feel like maybe the the Chargers angle is kind of interesting here too, where like it could just be that it just all concentrates to, to Keenan Allen that some of the, um, you know, discourse is going to be like, can Quentin Johnson get anything going here? What are they going to do? And um, I think it might just be all Allen. So um, yeah, um, that that is kind of the featured game of the week. Before we dive into the featured game of the week, Lions at Chargers. Uh, just remind, want to remind everybody that if you're watching on YouTube, there is a link to sign up for Legendary Upside. Get Karain's walkthrough every single week straight to your inbox. And as always, the code YouTube will get you 25% off of the DFS subscription at 444. Slash plans that's off the already discounted half season price. Once you do that, upgrade to the solver, best optimizer in the game. Let's get into it though. Um, as Corey mentioned, that Chargers and Lions game 48.5 point total, which is astronomical for what we've had the past few weeks. 405 game, so definitely a late swap game. Uh, if we want to have that as our late swaps, Lions favored by three on the road. Uh, projected point total of 25.75 for the Lions. So, Crane, let's start on that side with the Lions because probably the biggest question mark in this game is what this Lions backfield looks like with Dave Montgomery expected to come back. Jameer Gibbs, big touches the last few weeks. How does it look with Monty coming back, especially against the Chargers team that, at least from a fantasy point perspective, looks like a pass funnel um, defense? Yeah, I think the thing with... The Lions, like I feel some of these teams uh, like have a little bit of a hard time getting a read on like what they're going to do. The Colts seem to like I'm like, all right, they're going to do this. And they kind of like do something a little bit different than I'm expecting. I feel like I'm fairly dialed in on the Lions and have been for a while. Like they they have a clear identity. They want to run the ball. And this has been the case like the whole time under the Dan Campbell era. But they aren't like falcons they aren't the 2022 Bears where they're they want to run the ball to hide and you know limp short in games and you know take friendly losses. Like they're out there trying to win games. So if games shoot out, we're gonna see them throw. Um, but if they have a chance to kind of control a game, salt away leads with the run game, they will do that. Um, I think they we saw them maybe even do that a little bit too much in their loss to the Seahawks earlier in the season. I think they're primarily primary plan of attack will be to go after this Chargers run defense that is not great. It's not that it's not bad, but it's not great. Um, and they've got David Montgomery back. They're going to feel confident about their ability to move the ball on the ground. I think they I think they really like David Montgomery. And so I expect them to kind of be run first in this game. It really comes down to what the Chargers do, you know, and the Chargers are the underdog here. So we don't have like a ton of confidence that they'll be able to push the Lions, but I mean, come on, they they should <laughs> like it's Justin Herbert. Like they should be able to put up points. If they put up points, then I think the Lions are not going to stubbornly stick to you know trying to shorten the game with the run game. Like this could be a really fun game. I like playing that. If I'm playing Gibbs, I like having some Charger stuff with that because I think 
that's really important for Gibbs here. Mont Monty can kind of just get there. Uh, that he could be yeah. part of like the Lions controlling this game. Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of how we have to play it, right? Like if it, it, it seems kind of obvious, but if the Chargers do push or if this game is pushed, um, Jameer in the passing game uh, makes sense where Monty, like you said, can just get there. And it is like a very clean leverage spot for that reason because Amonra is going to be probably the highest or one of the highest owned wide receivers on the slate. He's like comfortably behind uh, the other top guys on the slate, uh, CD, Jamar, and Keenan in terms of salary. You get a little bit of a discount on him there. Uh, so he should be the most popular high salary um, wide receiver, him or Jamar. Um, I It's, it's kind of interesting because Jared Goff, especially on Fandle's priced up, he's 8K. So like I don't know how people um how people use him uh just because he's not like cheap a lot of times in these spots herbert would be the chalky guy um and we would just get a uh, low salary low ownership golf but his seller isn't cheap this week um so I, I think i am kind of confused on how i want to play the angle if i do want the chart of uh, the uh lion side do you have any thoughts on golf i mean he's not he doesn't like pop for me exactly, but I think he's okay. I like I think Laporta's kind of interesting here. Um, you know, you're kind of playing for a similar type of volume-based underneath kind of accumulator to Amonrod. He's kind of directly leveraging off of that. Um but yeah, I mean Keenan's the guy, he's he's a bit expensive on DraftKings, but he's he's how I would want to play this game. It's a little tougher with the salary, but like a Keenan, Keenan Laporta mini or Keenan Gibbs would be kind of interesting, I think. Yeah, uh, Daigle, uh, to to that note, um, if we are looking at these higher salary wide receivers, like Keenan Allen is probably the guy. If we if we consider the top four in salary being Jamar CD, Amonra, and Keenan, he probably is the guy that gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, especially in terms of ownership. He's more than more expensive uh, than Jamar on DraftKings, and I think he might be more expensive on FanDuel as well. But are, are do you have any concerns, as you mentioned on the most accurate podcast, just about this Chargers? overall ceiling their their offense um without mike williams like what we've seen with them over the past few weeks and just that lack of ceiling and gpp winning ability i can't put my finger on this game because as pat alluded to whenever they had david montgomery in the lineup the lions ran the ball at the fifth highest rate from neutral game script they wanted to be a running team but you can't run on the chargers they're a pass funnel and if they want to pass Jared Goff will absolutely get there, given that he's completed 70% of his passes against zone coverage, which the Chargers run at the 10th highest rate, and he's tied with Kirk Cousins for a league-high eight touchdowns against zone coverage. I actually want to play it around, Pat. Like, I want to play it around your pieces. I want to play it through Amon Ron Laporta together with Goff if I play it and just avoid the running backs altogether. But it takes some wish casting. Like, will Ben Johnson do that out of the bye? I'm not sure. More importantly, since... I have questions about the Lions' futures. Like, are, are they really a playoff contender since they've been tested twice this year and both Geno Smith and Lamar Jackson pelted them for over 300 yards and multiple touchdowns? I don't know if they're a good defense. But more importantly, I don't think the Chargers are a good offense because since they lost Mike Williams since week four, Justin Herbert's 20th in yards per attempt. He's completed less than 60% of his passes in four of his last five games. And the past two weeks out of their bye, 
uh, what they're doing is all going back to the Joe Lombardi style of offense because, again, that's how football works. This is the argument this offseason when everyone said they fired Lombardi, they got Kellen Moore, now there's more deep shots. No, that's not how professional football works. The fact is Justin Herbert looks up, sees Jalen Guyton, says, hell no, and he checks the ball down. That's how football works. And now these last two weeks, even Tommy DeVito has a higher depth of target than Justin Herbert. The thing is, that's terrific for Quentin Johnston because Quentin Johnston was one of the nation's worst downfield receivers. And now we're talking about a top-down view of a slate where if you spend up for player in a core stack like Goff, Amon Raw, and Laporta, you need to find value somewhere. And Quentin Johnston, who led the Chargers in routes run in his first game without Josh Palmer last week, regardless of what we think of him as a player, does open up value in a game stack. So that's the kind of way I'm. He doing. does exist. He's a he's a, a person. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with that. Well, I mean, if if we talk, if we go back to our point at the top of the show of like on these ten game slates, we want to be looking to game stack. This is the game with the highest total on the slate. And on both sides of the ball, we have guys, albeit like that aren't projecting well, but guys that are going to be on the field for like virtually every snap running route. Yeah. So it could be a shootout yeah. that aren't going to be owned. We're going to have 1% Jameson Williams, 1% Quentin Johnson, like regardless of how they project, like these are, th this is how we get unique and large field stuff, right? Like for playing the a thousand man, like, well, no, but in fairness to Quentin Johnston, he could run three times as many routes as Jamison Williams. I mean, that's it, it's a real leap of faith with Williams. Uh, especially with Donovan Peoples Jones integrated over the bye. I don't know, I don't know what their roles will be. And I'm guessing they traded for DPJ because they've been so unhappy with Jamison's develop so development so far, since they understand in a wild card NFC, they're contenders. I don't think they're contenders, but they think they're contenders. And I don't think they want to lean into a development player this year. So, so would you go? Could we like pretty comfortably say that if we're gonna go, um, kind of if we want to go against the grain, that it just makes the most sense to be Qu Quentin Johnson as our low on uh pass catcher here? I mean, why not play Jalen Guyton if we're if we're just playing guys who are out there running routes? I mean, he's he's cheaper, I know he's gonna project for us, but like Quentin Johnson's showing me nothing, so yeah, I, I struggle with it. He got a use of like he's min price. But he's, he's yeah. been a rotational player. Like, he was behind everyone due to a coach's decision. And then he played the Jets. So it's just like, I don't care what receivers do against the Jets. The Jets limit everybody. They're literally allowing nearly five fewer fantasy points per game than any other defense in the league to opposing wide receivers. So it's just like, it seems like a lot of recency bias going into Quentin Johnson. I, I'm not even you like mean, a Johnson. By recency bias, do you mean the entire season? Is that what you mean? This season? I I, I've <laughs> seen people cite the yards for route run, but I hate using that stat whenever the player wasn't even on the field. Like, it, it doesn't seem like it's the right thing to do, man. I don't It just seems like a lot of recency bias to me personally. Yeah, yeah I mean, I don't uh, again... He, it is it is what the cat like he makes sense if we're playing like onslaughts large field stuff right like if we're not doing that then it's it's kind of a moot point um you know if you're playing if you're playing a 500 man uh tournament or something like that you probably don't need to be going that deep um if you're not onslaughting the game you probably don't need be, to be going that deep um but you know a lot of people are throwing line two lineups a week at the million that's their whole um you know tournament exposure so you know think about it yeah I mean, the thing I struggle with Johnson because if you just zoom out and you say, I want a piece of this offense, it's going to be low owned and cheap. Like, I, it's a totally fine play. Um,
but it's like getting into the micro of like trying to predict which players are going to do anything. Like he, he, he does, he scares me a lot. Like even if you look at like first read targets, he's at 9%, which is 13th percentile for wide receivers. That's for the whole course of the season. We see with like a lot of guys, like with rookies, we'll sometimes see that um, be quite high because when they get out on the field, they're trying to get this guy, like Rasheed Rice has been popping in first read targets the whole season. He doesn't run as many routes as we'd like, but when he's out there, they've got stuff in mind for him. And with Johnson, like they don't really seem to be trying to even incorporate him in the offense in a, they're not prioritizing him even when he's on the field. Um, That's fair. But again, he only had one game so far without Josh Palmer and it was against the Jets. I still think it's a one game. Me personally, I think it's a one yeah. game sample. Also, okay. like uh, uh, contextually, of course, like no, objectively, of course, Keenan Allen is the better play, but I dare you to go try to fit Goff, Laporta, Amon Raw, and Allen into a lineup right now and see what you come back with. You can't do it. So I just think when you yeah. step back, it makes a lot more sense to have a leap of faith in tournaments. That's fair. Leap of faith is just, is just kind my of the, view the of that, that game. I'm looking for there. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and if, if it hits and you win the Millie, um, you get to wear a super sweet powder blue Quentin Johnson jersey for winning you a million dollars. So that's super fun. But too. again, also, like, like Pat <laughs> said, we are both also worried about what the Lions will do. Like, I also want to have that other yeah. leap of faith, believing in Ben Johnson, but I, I just don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if I believe in the Chargers offense. I don't know if I believe in the play calling for the Lions. I don't know. But yeah. I, I don't um, even think. Do you guys feel that the Chargers, I mean, in, in the numbers that I've been looking at, like they don't strike me as a, a team you have to avoid running on. Like, I don't think it would be foolish for the the Lions as favorites to come out here and be like, we're gonna, we're gonna do what we do. We're gonna play oh, our fair. game. And, you know, the, the Chargers are 15th in uh success rate against the run. They're 19th in run stop win rate, uh, per the the player tracking data, ESPN metric. Like they're fine, they're fine against the run, but they're not like formidable. So it's one of those things where it does feel like a little bit wish casting on the passing stuff because like it wouldn't be a mistake. I don't think for them to be quite balanced here or even run first. I, I definitely don't hate it. I'm, I'm probably going to wait until Sunday morning, Saturday night and see what the market does with it. Cause if the total starts plummeting, I'll understand why I'll be okay. I get this. Uh, I did bet the lions under a field goal earlier the week, just cause I think they're the significantly better team compared to LA. Uh, so I'd like to see wherever the market moves it to, honestly. Yep. Uh, despite this being uh, what should be the highest scoring game of the week, projecting the best across the board, um, Amonra is the only clear value uh, from a cash game standpoint. He is our top wide receiver value on both sites. He is in the FanDuel Optimal. Um, on a super soft running back slate, Eckler is uh, our top running back value on FanDuel, and he is in the DK Optimal. Prize Picks is North America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, prize picks is simple. Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their prize pick stat projection. It's that easy. Quick withdrawals, an enormous selection of players, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. Prize picks even offers in-game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together with more A.J. Brown receiving yards or less Jordan Love passing yards. Now it's possible. Just go to prizepicks.com slash DFSNVP 
and use the promo code DFSNVP to match your first deposit up to $100. Price picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Let's go on to another game that uh, is pretty intriguing. Bengals at home against the Texans favored by six and a half with a 26.5 point team total, a total of 46 and a half points for the game. This is an early game. The big news of the week is T Higgins out uh, early projections have Trent Irwin popping as like one of the pay down uh, values of the week. But Daigle, the simple question is outside of Jamar with T Higgins out, who do you think benefits the most here? I think it would be Trent Irwin since we at least have this one game sample from week five where in that one without T Higgins, Jamar Chase had a 43% target share and Irwin was right behind him, 10 targets and 22.2% share. The issue is that in a week with no values, I think everyone then defaults to Trenton Irwin as the value. And I'm not trying to play a, a 3K wide receiver into cash into a tournament. So uh, I don't think I'll get there for tournaments, but that's probably the pivot. Yeah, on on uh, DraftKings, where it's just like always great to get that super punt wide receiver, like Irwin probably ends up in that 15 to 20 percent range. Probably like all of like Tyler Boyd's only 46 on, on DK as well. Like Cincinnati just probably gets mega owned across the board. Like it's going to be really hard to stack Cincy and get unique Um, on FanDuel. Probably not. I mean, Trent Norman is still 48 over there. Like, yeah, I it's tough to get unique on, on Cincy's side. Um, even with that, like Joe Mixon's going to be mega chalk too. Like to me, even though it is a short running back slate, like this feels like pretty easy chalk to fade. Like his yardage totals have just been abysmal. He's, he's getting a little work in the past game. He's scored in back-to-back weeks, but like, I, I just don't think I'm going to be playing 25% Joe Mixon, even oh. though the running back slate is weak, right? How many times do we need to do this? We're not doing this. Come on. Yeah, just like he does scare me a little bit on this slate because there's nothing at running back, and he's like he's priced wet, like he's priced fine, and that's like awesome for this slate. And he's been in writing the walkthrough, like I've just I'm normally like you know, from last last year, it's always like, well, Mixon's like getting all the opportunity in the world, but he's not doing anything with it, and we've never really thought he's that good, so you know, maybe it's this week, probably not, but he's. He is kind of popping in some of the efficiency stuff a little bit more this year. Like he's really good success rate per NFL next gen. Like he he makes me a little bit more nervous than he has in like, you know, most of last year and in the beginning of this year. I, I did admittedly like start some stacks because I love the Bengals defense this week. I think the Texans are in for like the largest letdown spot possible. Um, but then like you look at you just look at the ownership. You're like, I can't play Joe Mixon in a 20 plus percent ownership. That's wild. Yeah, I don't want to be playing Chalky Joe Mixon. Like, as yeah. a quick aside to uh, his ownership projection and just kind of like a, a th- like thinking through the positions, uh, one thing that that I think I've been making a mistake on, and, and this kind of ties into like Mixon's high ownership projection on a uh, weak running back slate, is like looking at these, especially on DraftKings, like looking at the flex position ownership and, and thinking about like how to be different than the field. Like last week, I mentioned that uh, three running back looked like it was projecting very high and maybe like being contrarian and going for wide receiver uh, might be sharp. I think the sharp thing to do is like, if it's projecting well, like leaning into that. And I think this week four wide receiver is projecting well. So like, I, I don't think that is a spot to like be contrarian, just like lean into the sharp build. Like that's the sharp build yeah. that's projecting the best. Like that's the way to do it. You know? 
Yeah, I ended up going all three running back last. I mean, I, I rolled out three lineups, but all three of them were three running back builds. And yeah. uh, now, I, should I have not included Tony Pollard on this build? It's like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to <laughs> but I knew he was going to come in sub 10. He came in sub 10, okay? He did. We're going to get, get to it again. Don't Because he's not going to come in sub 10 this week. <laughs> I'm going to play yeah. again. I'm going to do Dude. it. You can't stop me. It's so annoying, his salary. Um, before we get there, uh, on the Texans side, Corrine, uh, Texans coming off of that big game last week, CJ Stroud record-breaking week. Uh, you know, you, you would think that they would be super mega chalk in the spot coming off that week. Um, the the thing is that like their uh, target tree is is not concentrated. As all you talked about target concentration, so I think trying to decipher that is going to um, scare people a little bit. D- besides Tank Dell, who is going to be quite chalky, uh, you noticed even though Cincinnati does kind of profile as a uh, run funnel, they're 12th in pass EPA, 27th in rush EPA. You did notice some vulnerability in their coverage, particularly on the boundary. So talk a little bit about how um, that it can be um, exploited and who benefits from that. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Bengals, they're 30th in PFF's coverage grades, 23rd in uh, explosive pass percentage against their 28th in dropback success rate. They have a good pass rush. Um, they're well coached, but I don't know that they're like, you know, the type of defense that's going to absolutely shut down the Texans, especially given that, we you know, we, we think C.J. Stroud's pretty damn good. We know, we know the Texans are not, necessarily going to be a pass first team they were last week but for the first time all season and they're playing a buccaneers pass funnel defense if they you know are game planning for this right now they're they're probably thinking let's get back to running the ball they they would love to have a better running game i think they're i think D'Amico ryan's is kind of gutted that they don't have a better running game i think some of the um we had robert mays on ship chasing last night and he was noting that you know he thinks kind of a lot of what they're trying to do in the passing game, like the Shanahan, uh, you know, this is, has its roots in, in the Shanahan type uh, system, that having enough of the running game elements is important to kind of set up what they're looking to do in the pass. So I don't think that last week shift to the pass and they had a 4% pass rate of expected overall and they were 10% on first down, which is like pretty damn aggressive. I don't think that's a signal that they're now like a pass first team. I think they probably will come in here and try to be balanced and try to get the run game going a little bit. But the hope is that the Bengals, who have been extremely aggressive through the air since Joe Burrows started to get healthy uh, and should be able to put up points here, that they push them. And, you know, maybe it's like a little bit stop-start with the Texans this week. But I think given what we've seen from Stroud, given their um, their focus on attacking the, the deep center of the field, the splash zone, like, you know, two weeks ago we highlighted that, which we <laughs> spent more time on it last week uh, instead. but. You know, they, they're looking to create big plays in the passing game, and I think they should be able to still achieve some of that uh, this week. Yeah, do do we care about Robert Woods coming back? Like, I he, I know he isn't going to be in our lineups, but can he just, like, throw enough of a wrench in things where it gets ugly? Nico Collins back-to-back DNPs, Woods log day, full practice today. Uh, you mentioned Noah Brown. Like, he is the most obvious regression candidate, negative regression. Um could it be a little bit muddy with Robert Woods back? Do we just like play uh, single digit Schultz with Noah Brown um, expected to regress a bit? I think single digit Schultz is an awesome yeah. play. Uh, I think Robert Woods, you know, if 
if Nico Collins was playing, I would think, yeah, I mean, we've never really seen post-Tank Dell's emergence all four of these wide receivers together. There's always been someone out of the picture, and so that would make you a little bit more nervous uh, about, you know, Tank Dell chalk if Robert Woods and Nico Collins and Noah Brown are all out there because like Nico Collins is pretty good and they seem to want to involve Robert Woods and Noah Brown and maybe, maybe routes are a little bit limited and just kind of creates more variance. But I mean, Robert Woods has been kind of whatever he's not, he's not someone I'm real afraid of. And Tank Dell has been electric. I mean, he, he's like fourth in ESPN's open score, I believe, or third. I mean, it's, it's crazy. He's absolutely crushing right now. Um, in some ways, like I think his efficiency and his his production almost understates just just how impressive that is. Like as a rookie wide receiver to come in and, and just immediately flash as an elite route runner is is awesome. So uh, I'm not particularly worried about about what Woods is is going to take away, provided that Collins doesn't go. Yeah, let's not forget Daigle had the uh, Noah Brown call last week. I think he was three and a half or four percent in the milli and ended up in the winning Amazing milli call. lineup. So, uh, shout out to that call, uh, Daigle. Tankdale um, is one of the highest floor plays of the week after um, getting injured in week five, missing week six, came back from the bye and uh, has led the team uh, among wide receivers in snaps and routes run the last two weeks. Obviously, had that big 11 target game last week, and then uh, basically everybody on the Bengals that's starting is projecting as a good value. Burrow, uh, Mixon, Irwin, um, Tyler Boyd, all projecting as good values. I probably just default to Burrow as the cash game quarterback. Just uh, an older Remy saying, just take the syrup over the pancakes. On DraftKings, yes. That's also why I just don't want to play Burrow in tournaments because, again, there are six to eight quarterbacks in not just good spots, ceiling spots on this slate. So I definitely don't want to be chasing the cash game plays. Not only that, but my DFS tournament brain doesn't allow me to play good plays in back-to-back weeks. It's just like, <laughs> it's like yeah. impossible to chase. Yeah. So um, I, I'm down on this game overall compared to consensus. Totally fine if it beats me. I get it, but I don't want any part of it. There were 23 players on the Texans injury report as of Thursday. Uh, we also know, as you mentioned, Tank Dale's going to be highly rostered and then also i i just don't bet against luana rumo and and it just seems like a spot where the Bengals coverage wins this one outright so far like this year the Bengals have been pretty good in limiting points score but they're still allowing big plays from time to time leaking through their secondary but we've seen historically we forget since anna rumo has been around since 2019 He's played some good rookie quarterback so far. He held Kyler Murray to 250 passing yards with no passing touchdowns. The Dolphins in Tua's rookie year scored only one offensive touchdown against him. And then in 2021, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields combined for 260 passing yards and one pick. So it, it just seems like a spot where like following 470 and five, I really, and given the situation, I don't really want to fall in line with everyone and play this spot. Because Urban also, Meyer couldn't beat him. That's why. We gotta, gotta... Yeah. That's why. And Matt Nagy, mind you. Yeah, I mean, we're getting a, a basically a, a touchdown favorite at home, $4,400 on $4,400 at home, uh, their DST on FanDuel, $2,800 on DraftKings, probably going to be single digit on both sides. So like, I mean, Bengals DST is probably a really nice play this week. Men, men have tried to bet against Lou and Arumo in big spots and they haven't lived to tell about it. So y'all can have it. I don't want it. So preview, preview to the discord, preview to the discord on Sunday, uh, Bengals DST, um, jumping to to the the show. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, 
Jump into Niners at Jaguars uh, early game. Niners favored by three on the road, 25 point total for the Niners in the game with a 45 point game total. Uh, Corrine, let's start with the Niners side from a fantasy perspective, from points allowed perspective. Jacksonville has been a pass funnel, although they are fourth in pass EPA. Uh, but you mentioned in the walkthrough that you can see the Niners leaning on the run in this spot. Huge CMC blow up spot. I think the issue with CMC is he just has like a mega high salary, um, especially on FanDuel. So uh, how are we projecting CMC in this matchup? And if Debo comes back, um, who is the loser for the 49ers with that? Yeah, for, for the CMC stuff, I mean, I, I've noted for weeks that I think the Jaguars are kind of overrated in run defense and they actually have a pretty good pass defense. Um, and I've been kind of hoping that teams would expose them and they kind of haven't, but I really like the, the metrics I've, and I reference them, you know, fairly regularly, the, the run stop win rate, uh, pass rush win rate, these player tracking metrics that ESPN puts out. The Jaguars are 30th in run stop win rate. And I'm just like, I don't know, man, like, are you actually going to be able to stop what Kyle Shanahan's going to throw at you with Christian McCaffrey uh coming off of a bye week like i you know i'm not i'm not worried about the jaguars run defense and some of the pass funnel run funnel stuff i'm willing to go counter narrative on that if i think the team that i'm betting on here the 49ers wants to do something like they want to run the ball like that's how they operate and is this situation enough to throw them off of that i, I don't really think so so I think we'll probably see them, you know, kind of look like the 49ers usually do. And if they're playing from ahead, the 49ers are like the team that dictates the run this year. So it just sets up McCaffrey. And obviously he's involved in the passing game as well, but it sets him up for just a, a huge workload, you know, and he's super, I made the note in the walkthrough, like the workload's not the point. The point is that this is an elite talent. That's who, that's what you get to bet on. And then the workload is also elite. That's like, that's why, you know, we, we would just see him producing results at running back that you really don't get elsewhere um, or really have a chance to get elsewhere. So I like him a lot. I think if you're going to say, look, he's too expensive. I'm going elsewhere. One reason that you can feel a little bit more comfortable doing that is Debo Samuel. Maybe, you know, it's not all McCaffrey because Samuel's back. And I think Samuel probably makes Kittle a little bit, you know, harder to bet on um, or a little bit shakier of a bet um, because, you know, it's just kind of one more mouth to feed in the offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think especially on FanDuel, that 10.5K salary um, people like to shy away from. So if we're, even if we're just thinking about like a flip the bill, I don't even know if it's flip the bill, but just contrarian salary allocation, uh, you're going to get that there. Uh, Daigle, on the Jaguars side, uh, a lot of Jaguars projecting um, quite well this week. Uh, Evan Ingram expected to be mega chalk. Everyone else probably going to draw moderate ownership. But we've been talking about, the splash zone a lot the past few weeks those deep intermediate uh middle of the field routes you actually noticed that san francisco they're more vulnerable on the boundaries so do you want to talk a little bit about that and who you think benefits from that boundary matchup against the niners i thought zay joe's was going to play and then he got yeah. ruled out today Is so it seems like we're, yeah officially ruled out on friday so it seems like we're going to just be back uh going towards calvin ridley and christian kirk and although Christian Kirk falls in the same line as George Pickens, Christian Watson, Chris Olave, the list goes on of players that like actually need to score a touchdown to get there because they're 
coordinators use them incorrectly. Yes, uh, the 49ers where you attack them is the boundary since they are 20th in yards per catch allowed out wide. And so if we think he's still going to be hoarding targets from outside, I don't mind playing those inconsistent fantasy points in tournaments and going to Ridley in this spot if we think Lawrence answers. And I kind of do because like Pat said, I think the 49ers can do what they want. Uh, the Jaguars are going to be a team that we probably bet against quite a bit in the second half of the year, given that they're severely overrated. Uh, their offense hasn't, Trevor Lawrence hasn't finished inside the top 10 of quarterbacks in any game this year. He's been 10th, but he hasn't finished uh, ninth or higher. So he's been bad for fantasy based on his ADP. Calvin Ridley gets inconsistent targets, as we talked about. Their defense is 25th in pressure rate, 26th in sacks. And that's important because Brock Purdy leads the league and yards per attempt and completion rate from a clean pocket. So I think the 49ers do whatever the hell they want in this game. And that includes Purdy playing him. That includes Purdy in double stacks and perhaps triple stacks with McCaffrey, Debo, and Brendan Ayuk. Um, like the Jaguars. The Jaguars are one of four defense playing zone coverage on over 80% of snaps. And Brandon Ayuk against zone coverage this year has seen 61% of his targets for the second most yards per catch, and he leads the league in yards per route run against zone. He's going to destroy this game. So I kind of just like getting all the pieces here. Yeah. Go ahead, Grant. I, I, like, the, I like this idea. So one thing um, one thing I just wanted to ask about, about this is, is Ingram. Evan Ingram, if we, because that's sort of, if I'm going to be doing San Francisco stuff, he he jumps out as a potential bring back because, you know, I think we could be looking at them trying to get the ball out quickly with the pass rush that they're dealing with. And Ingram's been kind of good. I thought Ingram was kind of like a jag. Like he, he's like, okay, he's got this super shallow ADOT, kind of just like helped fill in. They didn't really have any real strong wide receivers last year, but he's been efficient this year. He's actually popping an open score. Yes, he still has that shallow eight up, but it could be a good fit for this matchup. Um, if I am playing Ingram, especially because he's probably going to be very chalky, I want to be playing him correlated. Like if I'm going to play a chalk tight end, let me get correlation out of it. You know, I don't want to just be playing him by himself at 20% or whatever. So I actually think that's the only way I'm playing Ingram is if I'm stacking the Niner side. I do, I do wish he had more touchdown equity. That's my only problem. He does block George Kittle. And I love blockers. It's like, like a lot like poker where, okay, I don't have to play George Kittle here because I don't want to play Kittle. There's a comment in the chat, like is, does Kittle basically become a blocker again? And with Debo on the field this year, Kittle has an 11% target share. He got there against the Cowboys with those three touchdowns, but it was such an anomaly that you don't even worry about it. If that's what beats me, so I do. I do just want to, the, the blocking thing's not it. It's He's not out there blocking on pass routes. He, he runs a ton of routes all the time. It's that he's... He, yeah, he doesn't get this many targets, but I don't know. It's just... I think he's doing he's a lot blocking. of different things. Right, yeah. yeah. He's doing a lot of different things, and he doesn't earn the targets because there's scheme for Debo and IU. Yes. And that, yes. that's just how... And McCaffrey, and that's how the offense works. Right. And that's okay. So Ingram, sure, it's just that like he doesn't have a single end zone target on the year, and he has just four red zone targets compared to Kirk, who has eight, and Ridley, who has 15 um, so it's just like, they just don't use them where we score fantasy points at. It's just annoying more than anything. I like yeah. Kirk kind of too. I mean, sure. he, yeah. he won't be super popular. I don't think. 
No, I think everyone's going to kind of be moderate. Um, Ingram will be the, the chalky guy and everyone's kind of going to be moderate. Um, Purdy, kind of a funky spot on Fandle at 7,400. On DraftKings, he's like basically the same exact price as Gino. So uh, that should be a really good pivot spot. Um, ETN is popping um, as an optimal running back on both sides. Top DK value across all positions. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is in the Fandle optimal. I don't like that. He's just cheap. Um but I, I don't like him for a cash game play. Um, Niners, it should be like there, there's a little bit of wind and rain in the forecast. I don't think we care. Niners are a West Coast team on the East Coast for early slate. So, I mean, play with that narrative if you want. But I actually like the Niners a lot in this spot. Can I ask you guys about McCaffrey? Like, how do we do how do we make this work on on DraftKings or FanDuel? I mean, he's so expensive. FanDuel is harder. DraftKings, you can play him with Purdy, as we've done a couple times already this year. And it just fits yeah. in that because Kirk, Ingram, and Ridley are all so cheap that you can just kind of figure it out. Ayuk is also a step down from the Amon Ross and CDs in your lineup, mm-hmm. so you can mm-hmm. figure it out. Yeah, my concern with playing CMC is that the um, the top wide receiver tier, I think, is all very good. And yes. I, I don't yeah. want to just be like, you know, like fading that tier is very scary. Um so that's my only reservation about playing CMC. But Liz, it is pretty sweet to get like an eight to ten percent McCaffrey in tournaments who yeah. clearly is yeah. not injured. Like before before the buy handled all but one touch for his backfield, not injured. And now they're getting Trent Williams back. And with Williams on the field, he's averaged five yards per carry. He was under four with Williams off of it. So it's a pretty sweet spot. CMC's the only player in the slate that has a 50 burger in him. Like I know Jamar Correct. went nuts a few weeks ago, but I mean CMC can um, legit go. I think 50 he's literally he's the only player we're projecting with 40 plus point ceiling, like on this entire slate. Yeah. Quarterbacks too. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's got a huge yeah, ceiling. It, if you can figure it out, to, if you can yeah. figure it out. Yeah. I've been trying to avoid in a vacuum, but in a vacuum, Christian. I got a really I got a really bad stack play at the end of the show that maybe we can fit CMC <laughs> with. Stay tuned. All right. All All right. right. Well, um, speaking of a little bit of rain, um, this should this should be a game that gets a little bit of steam, but um, with that steam comes a little bit of rain. Uh, Seahawks favored by six and a half, uh, 44 and a half point game total. This is a late game, 425 p.m. kickoff, uh, 25.5 uh point total for Seattle. Dig, let's start with that Seattle side. Uh, they've been lacking in efficiency through the air. Um, but the best medicine you could get is this Washington defense, um, uh, bottom three and adjusted points points allowed to both quarterbacks and wide receivers. Uh, I, I think Gino might be the player, the quarterback that gets a little steam by, uh, by Sunday morning. Like all of them are projecting pretty moderately. Um, but I think this is kind of a good spot on both sides. Uh, how do you like, playing Gino and who do you like stacking him with this week? I don't think I'm going to play him on FanDuel because he's going to be the cash game option. He's just too cheap over there. It makes too yeah. much sense. Uh, so whenever we got to last week's discord on Sunday morning, because we talked about how Mac Jones was objectively in a good spot since every quarterback in the commanders weeks two through eight had finished at a top 10 option, but we couldn't get anyone else there outside of Demario Douglas, who was a cash game option. So we decided by Sunday morning, okay, if you're playing that, it is just best to play Sam Howe through his two double stacking partners, McLaurin and Dotson, and play Henry off of Douglas, who's being played in cash games. That's how we were going to work it if you were playing that game. This week, 
I want to go back to Geno because we saw in their first game without Montez Sweat and Chase Young, they pressured Mac Jones, although he didn't get there. They only pressured him on 23% of dropbacks. They sacked him one time. For reference, the commanders were averaging a 36% pressure rate through week eight. And Geno, although the turnovers have mounted up, he has been great from a clean pocket. Still sixth in the league with eight yards per attempt from a clean pocket. So if we don't think he's getting pressured, he's going to get there. And on a slate where we struggle for value, if I'm playing Geno, I'm playing all three. I'm playing DK, Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And we're going to get there if we get there. And so that's the way I like playing it on DraftKings. I, I like that uh, conviction a lot. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Gino sub 7K on Fandle, which is just absolutely uh, bonkers. He is six, what is he, 58 on DK, but kind of like in this uh, muddy I need, range. Um, I need to wrap my head around this one a little more, but since we're also struggling for value at running back in particular, I've been thinking like, what if I onslaught Gino and run it back with Antonio Gibson? in a negative game script since Gibson does have five targets in back-to-back games because we've seen Hal now enter the top half of the league these last two weeks and rate of time from snap to throw. That's why he's taking fewer sacks too because Eric Bienem is finally getting the ball out of his hand much quicker. It's like, okay, maybe I can backwards engineer this game as a whole. Yeah. I need to think yeah. about it. Karain, you actually talked about the fragility of the Washington backfield based on game script. But before we get to that, uh, go ahead and talk a little bit about your cover boy, Gino. Yeah, I mean, this was uh, kind of a tough decision for me because I, I was like, DK Metcalf is kind of who I wanted to have as a cover boy here. A little, a little more fun to, <laughs> yes. to pick a, a wide receiver instead of a quarterback, I think. But then DK Metcalf goes on the practice report Thursday. I published this thing Thursday night, so I'm like, Mm-hmm. I know it's the same hip injury he's been dealing with, but like maybe it flared up. You know, I can't have my cover boy miss the game. So then uh, I thought about Lockett, but like no, I this is the spot. What I like about this is this is the spot for Geno, and I think Metcalf and Lockett are set up really nicely here. Um, but when you look at when you just kind of zoom out and look at Geno, like I I in the walkthrough I kind of frequently reference this um, EPA per game. Uh, chart that, that shows EPA per game on the y-axis and success rate on the x-axis and guys who are having like consistency they have a good success rate which is the stickier of these of the two metrics that can indicate that maybe there's some positive regression potential for them we saw this with Lamar Lamar was in the same part of the chart and then blew up against the Lions um, and Geno Smith is pretty far down in his efficiency compared to his consistency and I think you know Last week, I was like, this is not the spot. He's going against the Ravens. So this isn't where this is not where we bet on positive regression. But this is where we bet on positive regression for all the reasons that Daigle just laid out. So, um, you know, and then when you look at like some of the matchup specifics for like DK Metcalf, I mean, the commanders, they like barely double teamed AJ Brown uh, in their first matchup. They double teamed him a bunch in the second matchup, but, you know, it didn't even work. (laughs) Um, And We've seen DK Metcalf get double teamed a ton this season, but uh, a couple weeks ago he wasn't double teamed like at all, and he had like 14 targets. So they will throw to him at a super high rate if he's in single man coverage. And I think the Commanders they play a ton of man coverage. Uh, they don't double team a lot. Like this is pretty interesting for Metcalf. It's pretty interesting for Lockett, who also tends to deal with a lot of uh, double teams as well. Those. 
to me, I, I'm more interested in the in the premium double with uh, Logan Thomas bring back and get tight end taken care of. That's kind of how I want to play it, I think. But I don't know that there's like many wrong answers here. This is kind of a fun game environment. And, you know, Howell is going to throw the ball. Like th- this team is committed to throwing the ball. Uh, th- that's an identity for them. It's an identity for them almost like as much as, you know, Arthur Smith's identity is based around running the ball and, and benching his best players. Like they, we can count on this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they play a lot of they play a lot of man coverage because they took Emmanuel Forbes in the first round, and uh, you know what happens when a hundred and sixty pound Emmanuel Forbes mans up against DK Metcalf? I can tell you, it's not going to end well. It's probably not. Did they take? Did they take Forbes off the field? Wasn't he like playing? No he was benched, and then they yeah, brought him yeah. back a couple weeks ago okay. uh, against the Eagles and put him on AJ Brown, and that's when AJ Brown scored his touchdown. He just bossed him. <laughs> yeah. Um, DK Metcalf uh, is the top player in this week's breakout model uh, for DFS by Matt Savoka. Last week's top player was Amari Cooper. We all know that went very big win there. Um, but I mean, as, as you mentioned, Corrine, like Sam Howell is virtually the same price uh, as Gino in the same game, but probably going to see like a third of the ownership. Um, you mentioned Logan Thomas as like the bring back or, or maybe as the guy to pair with them. Um, any thoughts on how from, from either of you guys really in this spot? Cause uh, we have seen him have some ceiling spots this year. I think it's a pretty solid spot. I I've noticed, or I've noted on Howell that he's like, it's it, interesting. Daigle said that, you know, they're, they're emphasizing on getting the ball out a bit quicker, which I think is probably more important with Howell than almost anyone else. Cause he's an interesting quarterback where he, he waits and waits and lets the first read of the play develop. Like whatever that play is supposed to be, he sticks with it. And we can see this because he takes a lot of sacks without looking, without uh, moving off of that first read and and trying to see something. He's not out. He's not like Mahomes. He's not like out there trying to create. And (laughs) that's an understatement. Yeah. He's (laughs) hanging in in the pocket and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then, He'll take a hit like he's a courageous quarterback. He'll take a hit to try to to get the ball out there, but it's like he's got kind of one idea, you know. And it's and th- you know, there's there's pluses and minuses to that. If you have protection and your receivers are getting open, like that can create some big plays. Um, and we actually did see the Rams in Week One uh, be quite successful on their first read throws against the Seahawks. The Seahawks have played a bunch of quarterbacks who are are pretty bad. (laughs) Um, And so they if you look at like their success against first three dropbacks, it looks pretty good, but they haven't really been tested in that way. And so I think um, Howell is a bit more boom bust than than Smith, but totally viable. And I think McLaurin and Dotson and Thomas all look pretty interesting here. And then you could go bring back on the other side. That my only so. I've just struggled mentally coming around to which commander I would want to play in a Geno onslaught because, first of all, how targeted nine different receivers last week, but also in spreading the ball out all of a sudden under BNME, like the highest target share was 18.1% for both McLaurin and Dotson. Not only that, but Curtis Samuel practiced. He's a true question mark. So if we get him back, it kind of throws a wrench into these Dotson target shares we've seen the last three games. So I, I think just given the slate, it is best then to go ahead and get that tight end done at Logan Thomas, or again, because there's no running back value, play the Geno net positive game script theory where he mounts a big lead, and now it's suddenly Gibson on the field over Robinson all times. One thing I would note, too, on the on the receivers is I don't 
it, I'm not like blaming the enemy for for not concentrating his offense. Like Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson are not looking good in open score. Like they're not getting open very well. Uh, McLaurin's in the 29th percentile. Jahan Dotson's in the 41st percentile. Curtis Samuel's 26th percentile. So like. You know, you would want to spread the ball. Like a smart coordinator would spread the ball out here with no weapons kind of popping in, in terms of just being able to dominate and get open on their routes. So I, I just that that's part of what makes me nervous. Is like I, I don't really feel much confidence in which weapon will get there. It feels like kind of luck of the draw. And so it does make me want to do I don't know about the Gibson play. Like I hadn't really thought about that, but it's it's in line with kind of the way I would want to play this of just like let me get something taken care of. Yeah, uh, McLaurin is the only player in this game that's projecting as a, a fringe cash game play. Kind of all the projections are pretty fragmented on both sides. Um, so you're just not going to get a lot of players projecting as great medium values, despite uh, ceilings being pretty good uh, across the board here. Uh, the only other team that is projecting for a high team total, albeit in a very low uh, game total, are the Cowboys 28 points is the highest team total on the slate, but they're favored by 17 playing against the giants. The obvious concern here is volume for the Cowboys. Um, Corinne, two questions. Does that get enough volume to be a GPP winner? And I mean, what the hell do we do with Pollard? They keep moving his salary down, but Dallas just keeps doing everything to make him a horrible player. <laughs> I don't think that we're going to get the volume. I mean, the giants, the Giants want to go home. Like that's what they they're <laughs> yeah. not trying, they're not trying to win this game. Like they aren't. Yeah. They're gonna they're going to go as run heavy as they can get away with. Um, and that basically comes down to Saquon Barkley's body. Um, and that you know, they're so and, and the Cowboys have been much more aggressive since their bye week. They they've been like a pass heavy team. Um, I've been impressed with with the way they're doing things. It's been fun, but they don't need to like be past every here and win easily. Um, so I don't know. I, I guess they, they would almost have to be kind of like the chiefs or something to and just like come out here and smack the giants with like a super pass heavy attack and then, and then pull the starters. But it feels like you're, or like the Eagles last year, like getting it done in like, a, a, you know, two and a half quarters or something, which isn't, which is possible, but I don't think that's going to be like a part of my plan this week. I, I think he's, a good, a really good tournament option since, like Pat said, are you saying Dak a, or Pollard? Dak, no, not yeah, Pollard. Yeah. Pollard's yeah. off. Okay, okay. Uh, well, just because he's going to be, he's still going to be twenty percent rostered. And I mean, how many again? Yeah, because like he's just cheap. And there's nowhere anybody. Yeah, but he will he though? I, I think I, so. Whatever the Bijan, computers say, subtract ten percent. No one wants there, to play Pollard. I don't. Man, I, I manually, I manually took down Pollard just because, like projection versus salary the like you said the machine's gonna spit out an ownership just because of that um i ticked it down to because i just don't think people are gonna click him i don't think they will either it makes me want to play him like you got game script you do still have the workload he scored a touchdown last week guys now it was wiped out because an extra offensive tackle didn't report is eligible if the if the Cowboys play three tackles, Pollard could score. Well, why can't they are allowed to play? All he has to do is be like, yo, I'm eligible. And because he didn't do that, we didn't get a touchdown. Like, come on. It's man. like 
it's like Pollard at low ownership, but what about Dak at lower ownership? That's that's the key here. And he's been <laughs> he's been a top three quarterback in three consecutive games. In those games around his bye, he's averaging an increased five and a half carries per game because the offense runs through him. Also, these past three weeks, they're passing the ball at the fifth highest rate with an eight plus point lead. They don't even run the ball with the lead now. They just lean on Dak, and it's only going to two players. It is CeeDee Lamb and Jake Ferguson, the only two guys that matter. There's your double stack. Don't play Pollard. You can still spin down everywhere else. Man, it's such it's such it's actually a good a pretty fun double. The and you're not gonna get any ownership board, with it. And no yeah, ownership. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean on a low scoring slate. I mean, Daigle, I'm not even gonna ask about bringbacks on the giant side. Nobody has no, like, no, even no, like no. A, a decent value score. So I will, but I will ask you like the what the machines don't care about is the Dallas DST high salary. They're projecting just so much higher than everybody else that they're still being spit out in cash lineup. So like, how do not, how do they fail, but how do, how does the other than obviously not scoring a touchdown, like what can the giants do to not let the Dallas DST get there? Or just like not make this a blowout. I don't know because yeah. <laughs> even even last week, like uh, closing the fourth quarter, Tommy DeVito started scrambling around. Like it, the pocket was just wide open. He still like was running for his life because he he doesn't know how to play professional football. It's and rough. so like he did complete a few more passes, all because he was just trying to go outside the pocket and make extend the play. But dude, Micah Micah's gonna crab walk so many times in this game. Like he bear crawls after every sack. He's gonna do a fifty yard bear crawl in this game, man. They're gonna kill him. It's not yeah, gonna be good. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Cowboys DST well, are in both. Go ahead. Well, I, I, on the DST, I, I mean, like they, the Giants had two weeks ago a minus twenty six percent pass rate over expected. Uh, they had a thirty six percent pass rate uh, against the Jets. Now, and that was with some Tyrod Taylor, you know. So are, we're not going to get any pass attempts against like that. You're probably going to get some That's sacks, and point. you probably still get a couple that picks. Is, that is probably <laughs> how they don't get there. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, yeah, I it's a lot to pay, and it's a lot to pay. I can't even play like Daniel Bellinger to kill tight end here because Jake Ferguson's like a top two tight end on this slate. So I don't know, man. I really yeah, don't. I, I, oh, just, I'm not I just avoid the Giants. I just avoid it, and you take the 31, 35 points the Cowboys are going to put up. Yeah, usually, yeah, yeah, yeah. usually I'll, I'll, usually I'll blind X out like this chalky of a defense, but like, man, we just don't get this kind of defensive projection ever. I, I, like, if you're only playing one lineup, like, yeah, I could see you just X them out, but like, I don't know. Even if I'm only hand building three, I think I probably have Cowboys in at least one lineup. Just and cash, like, it's fine. Um, I have yeah. the pivot at the end of the show. We'll get there. All right. My, um, my concern with the, like, I, I don't really have much interest in the Cowboys and tournaments because they're so expensive. So, like, that's another part of it. Like, you're going to, yeah, sure, you're going to get there to an extent. But, like, it's 4,400 yeah, and on a slate where salary is really at a premium. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, they need to score. You're, that's, oh, man, Giants. What are we going to do? <laughs> they're there aren't obviously any more games that are projecting for high game totals, but uh, we are getting some ownership in the Falcons Cardinals game. Uh, Daigle, you want to talk about uh, a couple of games that popped to you besides like the five obvious high scoring ones? So Bijan Robinson, I think at his salary is going to get played even after last week's performance. Uh, I think after shaving his mustache, Arthur Smith and talking about Bijan in depth, 
I think people will just suck up the salary and be like, this is the week it changes. Not to mention, Kyler Murray's on the other side of the ball. Marquise Brown will probably fall in as a cash game play. Everyone wants to play Kyler. I'm just saying, if the thesis of the slate is to pay up for players, and Deshaun Watson was the QB8 against this Cardinals defense, why the hell can't Taylor Heineke get there? Heineke has been slinging it. He's averaging over 10 air yards per attempt. And now we have this Cardinals secondary that is creating pressure at the third lowest rate in the league. They only blitz at the seventh lowest rate, so they're not going to get to him. And Drake London practiced in full all week long. Uh, Drake London has had a 21% target share at least in five consecutive games. He's been a double-digit target share in every game since week two. If I play Heineke, London, and like Trey McBride to pay down for tight end over cash game Marquise Brown, I can then spend up everywhere else it is just an option i mean with with kyler coming back um there's going to be so much ownership on trey mcbride and marquise brown so you're getting uh you're getting natural pivots in that same game uh trey glendon is a price pivot off of marquise brown on both sites he's also a price pivot off of take dell on both sites so like i, I mean the the, the theory the theory makes sense there um uh we saw will levis go nuts um in his debut a couple weeks ago uh Karen, you want to talk a little bit about that game yeah i mean will levis is kind of interesting because um in one way he's like a huge kind of red flashing warning sign where you know i talked about geno smith's success rate versus his efficiency levis is on the flip side of that where his efficiency has been like fine and uh you know we've seen why he's had some big plays that have been awesome but basically when he's not doing that he's been really bad and you know those big plays don't tend to just like uh repeat uh endlessly they, they're a little bit more rare so if he doesn't start playing more consistently he's going to start to look like a very bad quarterback um but we've got i think deandre hopkins here in a really nice spot where you know targets were already condensing to him uh already and you know uh burks is out this week and that'll helped a little bit and then they're also against this Buccaneers pass defense where I mean the Buccaneers don't get to the passer and they rank dead last in explosive pass plays uh explosive pass play rate against and that's the whole deal with Levis right so like he and we know he's gonna be looking for Hopkins deep so um it's a spot where it's a little shaky but we know who to play it through and um, obviously, we just saw the Buccaneers get uh, lit up through the air last week. I think it's possible we we could see you know another week of just big plays against the Buccaneers' past defense. Yeah, not, granted, it was against the Bucks. I was just to say it just feels like a similar spot to not only because it's the Bucks' defense, but this feels like a similar spot to Houston last week. Not only that. Uh, since y'all didn't take my Taylor Heineke play serious, although I'm completely serious on DraftKings, on FanDuel, Will Levis is the same price as Geno Smith, basically $100 cheaper. So like that's my preferred way to play FanDuel is Will Levis through tournaments. Mm. I took the Heineke serious. If if London's going to be that good of a play, like he has to get there, right? Like it's awesome. Not- I didn't. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, outside of uh, the players that I mentioned, uh, players that are projecting as as fringe or obvious cash plays uh, on DraftKings, Hawkinson and McBride at tight end, uh, Rashad White at running back, Deontay at wide receiver. On Fandle, Bijan uh, is projecting quite well, as is Aaron Jones. Uh, McBride also projecting well there. Um, as far as the players right now that are projecting 
the highest, as we mentioned, all of uh, ownership wise, all of the Bengals projecting high Burrow, Jamar and uh, Mixon all projecting as uh, quite big chalk. Rashad White projecting pretty high in ownership. Uh, I mentioned Amon Ra, uh, St. Brown, Tank Dell, uh, Trey McBride, TJ Hawkinson, Evan Ingram at tight end. Cowboys DST projecting very high in ownership there. Karain, um, any chalk plays that uh, you want to be leaning into or fading this week? Um, I, I'm down to fade Brashad White. Like that doesn't seem mm. like very good chalk, especially you know where I do think the Titans could be kind of fun. I also think they could be not very fun. You know, this is it's like uh, a game environment that we're not overly excited about and Rashad White's been a little bit better in terms of his consistency as a rusher but still looking very unexplosive uh and so it just seems like fairly easy chalk to fade uh TJ Hawkinson not super into him uh you know you get it's tight salary so if he's he's chalky I'm happy to move away from that um I'm kind of into fading the Cowboys D as I as I hinted at before just because they're so expensive and um it's like I wonder if people are maybe giving up a little bit more upside than they think if they go into the Cowboys and they don't absolutely rock the Giants. Um, and then McBride, I don't know. I'm actually a little tempted to play some McBride. Uh, you know, he's just so cheap. But, um, you know, obviously chalky tight ends is generally not a great, great spot. Yeah, people are going to be excited about Kyler coming back, and I think they just get overplayed for what the spot mm-hmm. should be. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daigle, any chalk that uh, stands out to you as a, a player of fade? If I play Will Levis, I don't mind, because again, we've talked about throughout the show how there's rare value here at running back. It just doesn't exist. I don't mind playing Rashad White, uh, especially on DraftKings where we want those receptions more than anything. He's still seen a double-digit target share in every game since week two, so that's what we think we're getting fresh off of 24 raw touches overall. So I'll still play Rashad White if I play Will Levis. Yeah, uh, I will just say that um, I am very uh trepidations about playing the Bengals in any respect just because everybody's going to be owned on the team like i, I want to have like at least one out for ownership and we just don't have one there um so i think if i play that game i probably play it through the texans side um you know and, and just play whatever Plus, chalky bangle i got a little they got a little weird. They got unfair on Sunday night because the one thing they couldn't do was target their tight ends, and they just came out and said, screw it. We'll just also do that because we can do everything now that Joe Burrow's healthy. So, yeah, like we we don't know necessarily that targets will go to Trenton Irwin now that Irv Smith and Drew Sample are suddenly involved out of nowhere. Uh, it's just a it's just a, such a shaky situation that you eat the price for value from a top-down standpoint in cash games and get off of it in tournaments. Also, I forgot to mention that... Um... Cavante Turpin is out, right? So that's like if we're playing the DST for the Cowboys, like that's touchdown upside that we're losing right there too, right? Like that that's part. I, my brain got to Taylor Heineke and did not get to Cavante Turpin. I'm sorry. Well, no, I'm just saying if if their best kick returners out, like they're losing that touchdown upside, like that's one more reason to not be playing that DST. I thought I don't know. I don't know who the backup was. It used to be Tony Pollard, but they took him off to give him. Oh God! Uh, Imagine if Pollard punt. scores a punt return. Oh, dude! I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm gonna walk outside. Like, no, screw that. If Pollard double dips on the one week where <laughs> I'm like, gonna, I'm gonna play Cowboys, Tony Pollard. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, before we get to our favorite plays of the week, not Tony Pollard. I want to remind everybody about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. 
Go to prizepicks.com slash DFSMVP and use code DFSMVP for a first deposit match up to $100. We're going to get back on the right track this week with a four-player pick -em. We've been rolling out the three-player pick -ems. Four spots we like this week with a chance to 10x your money. Going off of the main slate, Raiders and the Jets. Raiders run defense has been abysmal. We like Brees Hall for more than 63 and a half rushing yards. In that same game, we expect Raiders to be very run heavy like they were last week. And for that reason, we like Aiden O'Connell for less than 206 and a half passing yards. They will also be without their left tackle. Uh, we saw Keaton, Keaton Mitchell uh, get a lot of work for the Ravens last week. We like Gus Edwards for less than 45 and a half rush yards this week. And we talked about Will Levis. We talked about that Titans offense. Will Levis more than 200. 21 and a half passing yards this week. Again, 10 extra money with a four player pick them. Don't forget to go to pricepicks.com slash DFS MVP. Use the code DFS MVP for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Boys, let's get into it. Karain, cover boy, quarterback of the week. Geno Smith. And, you know, sometimes. When I do like the walkthrough is not like a specifically DFS article. I'm I'm trying to figure out how I think this game is going to play out, and then we take that information for drafts, regular fantasy, DFS, whatever. It's always nice though when I'm like, man, I love this spot, and then it's like, oh, this guy's like pretty well priced and not going to be massive chalk and stackable, and in a game where you know I can identify pieces to bring back where the salaries work too, and and Gino checks all those boxes for me, so. Uh, I feel I, I will be playing Juno Smith <laughs> this week. I, I just love the spot for him. And uh, I guess that we need to keep an eye. There Maybe there's rain, but it doesn't necessarily look like weather could be all that bad. That would be like maybe so, something to keep an eye on. But um, yeah, I, I think really massive blow up spot potential for DK Metcalf. And I also sets up really well for Tyler Lockett. And you know, this they're both priced in that mid 6K range where you can you can do the double. You can actually do the premium double that where you, we've kind of been locked out of for years playing both of them together, but I think you can do it this week. Plus, I know Pat, you play in like the even smaller fields, like the seven hundred fifty entrance. Like you got to do the yeah. you got to do the triples. You got to do the triples in those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly uh, it's certainly the week to do it too. With with JSM, that salary savings actually makes a big difference. Yeah, and as Daigle mentioned at the top of the show, big difference between salaries this week at quarterback. Uh, Geno's probably mega chalk on Fandle, but on DK, he's kind of bunched together with you know this uh, Trevor Lawrence, Brock Purdy tier. Um, so even though he is projecting the highest amongst that group, Sam Howe in the same game, um, you know, with Joe Burrow getting so much ownership on DK, there's a chance that uh, we get like Geno at you know maybe nine percent instead of thirteen percent. That would be nice. Uh, Daigle. Talk about the Titans and uh, your favorite quarterback. And actually, like, I mean, is there anybody besides Nuke we could play him with? Yes. So I think you can get to game stacks here. We talked about Rashad White. Chris Godwin also kind of popping. Their last four games since the Bucks buy, it's Godwin who's has a 21% target share to Mike Evans. Uh, and given his expected fantasy points, you would think the scales tip in his favor in terms of touchdowns soon two he's also in that span been used as 50 50 boundary and out wide they're they're mixing them up a lot so i kind of like godwin to come in two percent if you're playing this game but for will levis like pat touched on it 
I don't I don't think you sold it enough though, Pat, because the entire thesis of playing CJ Stroud was because the Bucks defense is at this point showing up and laying down for 60 minutes against opposing quarterbacks. Over the last month since they've returned through their bye, 9.2 yards per attempt, 73% completion rate, and 26.7 fantasy points per game. Uh, you did say, yes, they've allowed a league-high completion rate on explosive passes 20 yards downfield. Guess what Will Levis has done? He's leading the league the last two weeks with 28% of his passes 20 yards downfield. We know he, where he's going to go. It's just a matter of if he lands it. He also has uh, quietly an eight iron in his bag. Like we saw last week, like Josh Allen, it took him three years to do. Will Levis actually started taking a little bit of the pop off his arm and like lobbing over linebackers. So we're already seeing some good pro- progression. And that's the I case. don't want to see that. Give me more of that moon ball, man. I, well, I love that. that considering deep ball cash games, considering cash games are playing stone men, Trenton Irwin, here is stone men, Kyle Phillips without Traylon Burks has a 13 and a half percent target share and back-to-back games. The bucks are also allowing the third most fantasy points per game to opposing slot receivers. So there's your Will Levis double stack tack on Rashad white, maybe some Chris Godwin and call it a day. Is that how you're supposed to be using eight iron? Cause I'm not, I'm fairly bad. I don't know. I'm really bad. Uh, <laughs> damn it. Uh, Joe Burrow is my cash game quarterback, especially on DraftKings, where he's discounted on Fanduel. It's closer between him and Gino, but, uh, on DK, I like, uh, Joe Burrow, uh, Daigle, let's move on to running back. Um, uh, cam makers out for the season. We got some, uh, Ty Chandler coach speak this week, but, uh, Tell me why he like Alexander Madison. We haven't even talked about that game, but uh, talk to me about Madison. I don't even know really if we need to talk. Well, I guess I'm going to talk about someone else in that game in a bit. So we do need to talk about the game. But quietly over the last month, the Saints defense has now started leaking production to opposing running backs. Devin Singletary averaged 4.8 yards per carry on 12 runs to Travis Etienne scored two touchdowns. JT and Zach Moss combined for seven yards per carry. And Deontay Foreman didn't get there, but he had 83 rushing yards last week. Tyson Bajan had 70 rushing yards. And in three games to open the year, remember, Madison handled 85% of the team's running back carries, 81% of their backfield touches, and a 12.5% target share. He's going to get, presumably, all the work now um, with Cam Akers done for the year. So, yeah, Madison in a week where there's no running back value, I think is pretty sneaky and a good play. Yeah, speaking of of no running back value, um, I mean, Corrine, we got to go back to it, huh? I mean, you guys talked me into it by just your utter distaste for Tony Pollard. Like, <laughs> That's the point of the play is that you yeah. guys won't play him. <laughs> That's why I'm going to play him again. Look, I played him last week, felt smart, and then got, got stabbed right in the heart, right? Because I felt smart because he came in sub 10%. I was like, he's going to get squeezed of all of these running backs. And I was right, but that, there was good reason for that because he he can't he can't deliver. But, like, I mean, we're talking about playing a $4,400 defense into chalk because of how bad this Cowboys or how bad this Giants team is. Well, you're getting a running back who's going to be in positive game script. He's running back seven in expected points per game this year. He's been horrendous, but like he's going to get the opportunity. And it is still on some level, it is still the same person that we were betting on gleefully last year. Like there's that little glimmer of hope. Honestly, like at this point, like I feel like touchdown variants could just go my way and I'm there. Running back's really gross. And I don't, I'm going to take the under on whatever, you know, the final ownership projection is on him because no one wants to click him. 
I think the the biggest point you made is touchdown variance could go there. Like 28 points, huge favorites. Like that's how we get there with Pollard. And in the Millie, if he is over 15, I'll be very surprised. If you're playing like a 200 man high stakes, I I'm wondering how much like 4D chess is going on. And I know that they know that I know like what side does he end up on? I think his ownership in small field is pretty wide range because I mean he is still cheap as hell. Um but yeah, in large field stuff, I'd be very surprised if he gets to 15. Um, because Pollard is so gross despite his value, because I don't want to be clicking Joe Mixon, like my only true lock button uh, in cash is Travis Etienne at running back. Um, it's a really bad running back week for values. Very rarely um, are we like just automatically playing four wide receivers in cash and DK. It's feeling like that. It's feeling like a four wide receiver week. Um, so Travis Etienne is like the only players I, I'm for sure playing in cash right now. Uh, let's go to wide receiver and um, talk a little bit more about that Titans theory, Daigle. I'm sorry, Corrine. Can I just bring up one more running back? Because we, we haven't yeah, mentioned yeah, for sure. Because I, I, I almost, I considered picking Aaron Jones. Uh, oh yeah, he's in my pool. He's, proje- yeah. he, he's one of the only guys that's like projecting like pretty well. And, and not for a ton of ownership and in a game where uh, I don't think either team's going to push each other. What so do we have him for he should be able to get plenty of carries. Yeah. On, I mean, on Fandle, people just play running backs more, so like cumulative ownership gets pushed up. On DK, I could see Aaron Jones. Where do we have him right now? I can't even find him. Yeah, we have him in like the low teens to high single digits. Yeah, that seems pretty yeah. good this week. Sixty-five yeah, hundred. The way they used him makes a lot of sense too, because the point of that offense should be to hide Jordan Love, because Jordan Love is so bad. Yeah, only Which they DK, know. <laughs> they only- are aware of that. Only PJ Walker is completing a lower percentage of his passes from a clean pocket this year than Love. He's been awful. And that's why I think we saw Aaron Jones not only unleashed for a season-high share of backfield touches, 63%, but a 24% target share because we need to move everyone closer to the line of scrimmage to help Love out. So if that's the kind of elite usage Jones is going to get, not only for this week against the Steelers' defense, allowing the sixth most yards per carry to opposing running backs, but the rest of the season, too, Jones is, is poised for a big half of the year if he stays healthy. Yeah, I like the Jones call, um, especially on DK. Um, Coran, you want to talk about Nuke a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I kind of laid it out, and um, and Daigle also laid it out with the explosive plays. But, you know, just target concentration is the big thing. Um, a, a quarterback who has a skill set that really suits him. And then I would just emphasize that, like, Hopkins looks really talented still. He's – in the 87th percentile in open score, he's got a 2.44 yards per out run, which is elite. Uh, he's got a 15.2 A dot. So, like this whole explosive play angle, like you play it through Hopkins, and he's the clear wide receiver one there. Uh, he has a 41% air yard share. Uh, he's not getting used a ton over the deep middle, but enough. And yeah, he's just, I think he's a really nice play. And I haven't gotten the sense that he's going to be like mega popular. So, Probably, I think probably he'll be one off. For he'll me. be, I think he'll be owned, but he won't be like chalky chalky. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I think is like this is he has the ceiling where like I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, uh, Daigle, we talked about 49ers doubles. Uh, pass catcher in that game with Debo coming back. 
And I, I went in depth on Ayuk against zone coverage, one of my favorite plays in the entire slate. And you're going to get him at 2% because he's in no man's land on both sites, sandwiched in between the high guys that everyone's trying to get up to, like CeeDee Lamb and Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamar Chase, and between the values, 2K cheaper than him. So he just kind of fits in perfectly, honestly. Yep. Speaking of Amonra, uh, he is that high, that top wide receiver value, as I mentioned earlier, priced uh, in the elite tier, but the bottom of the elite tier. So we're trying to fit him in there. Uh, Daigle, go back to that uh, Vikings game tied in. Both sites are going to continue to allow me to play super flex. Although NFL slates are not super flex, I'm going to keep doing it. And 5,100 for Taysom Hill on DraftKings, who is a quarterback, doesn't make sense. It's too cheap. I thought they were going to move him up over 7K because that's the way the Saints use him, and they're still giving it to him to us at 5,100 there. So you just keep playing Taysom Hill. It makes so much sense why he's playing this role now. These last two weeks, because Derek Carr uh, completed a league low 40% of his passes in the red zone, they could not score with a league average quarterback under center in the red zone. So now they just take Carr off the field and say, we can score with Taysom Hill. And that's why he has 12 red zone carries, six carries inside the 10-yard line the past two weeks. He even threw and caught a receiving touchdown inside the five-yard line. It is a better role than Travis Kelsey's at their position. So you keep playing Taysom Hill. Shout out to Taysom for keeping all my Cooper Cup best ball mania teams alive. Corrine, uh, you want to talk about uh, your tight end of the week? Yeah, Dalton Schultz. Um, I think, you know, he kind of just like a great, he's in a great role and he's been popping as, you know, pretty talented, uh, which, you know, was a little bit in question because we just kind of, is he a product of Dak or is he going to be able to go out on his own and, and establish himself? And early in the season, it looked a little shaky. He was not seeing very strong route participation, but he's jumped up in route participation recently. Uh, last two weeks at 81% and 83% route participation, which are really strong numbers. And if he's not going to be that popular and Tankdale is, gets you, you know, a little bit of leverage there. And like you said, TJ, I mean, it's a little bit hard to kind of play this game from the Bengals side, but he would be the way I'd want to bring it back, at least, where you're not eating the tank Dell chalk uh, and you're, you're also getting tight end taken care of. Yeah. I love playing it that way. Um, especially with Nico Collins out, like playing uh, Stroud with Schultz. If you're going to, you know, bring back Chalky Jamar or play any Chalky pass catcher, I think that's the way to do it um, on a week where, as we've said multiple times this week, where there just really aren't any obvious pay down options. Um, that means we want to be paying down at tight end and cash. So just play Trey McBride um, cheap at tight end uh, and save salary. Uh, let's stay in that game for your favorite DST, Corrine. Yeah, I mean, Daigle talked about how Taylor Heineke is going to be out there chucking it all over the yard. So give me the Cardinals defense. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Pass I, plays I equal points. <laughs> I mean, Arthur Smith, like, uh, who's the guy? Samson, right? He cut, the hair got cut. He's yeah, lost yeah, all yeah, his yeah. powers. The mustache he is had, gone. <laughs> the problem is, Samson had powers to begin with. Yeah, that's true. That's but what little power Arthur Smith had is now gone. Yeah. I mean, he's apologizing out there on TV. He's like, oh, I've made a huge mistake. I shouldn't have cut my mustache. Like, he's not. He's he's reeling right now. I don't want any part of his backup quarterback, uh, even if it is against a, a bad defense. And, um, you know, the, the Cardinals are very cheap. So that's like, I would love to go to war with a cheap defense against Taylor Heineke. And the field has a very expensive defense and a tight pricing week. 
it doesn't it doesn't stop at Drake London either. If Kyle Pitts is out, I believe he missed practice today just because the birth of his child. Oh no! But if he's out, oh buddy, oh, we're no. doubling Taylor Heineke with Johnny oh, no. and Drake London. We're oh, getting no. what? <laughs> <laughs> we get to, we get the kill tight end. We get the run back Marquis Brown. We're dig, we're getting there. I promise you. How do we how do we always jam these into the last five minutes of an hour and a half podcast? It's crazy. <laughs> Every time Dave <laughs> makes the case, I just raise the Cardinals. How do you, in my mouth. How, do you how do you play IU <laughs> and Stevie Lamb? You play Taylor Heineke. That's how you do. It. The Cardinals are projecting for. 30 DraftKings points right now. <laughs> uh, Dago, uh, we haven't talked about this game either. Uh, DST, though. If the Cowboys defense is chalk and they we expect them, yeah, we definitely expect them to be, the Ravens defense is just slightly cheaper on both sides. And yes, Deshaun Watson got there against that miserable Cardinals defense because everyone gets there against them. He's not getting there against the Ravens defense. This is going to be a bludgeoning. Uh, the Ravens also don't really blitz. They've only blitzed on at the 14th highest rate in the league, but it's going to happen because they know that out of 36 quarterbacks who have seen at least 100 dropbacks against the Blitz this year. Deshaun Watson is literally dead last in the league in yards per attempt against it. They're going to send the house, and they're going to destroy him. So the Ravens defense here with three offensive starting offensive line missing for the Browns, they're going to just eat the Browns alive, man. you got to play the Ravens defense in tournaments. I like that call. Um, yeah, I like I like a couple of plays in that game. I like Mark Andrews there too because he's not going to get any ownership either. Um DST cash games. I mean, we just don't see defenses project like the Cowboys do, even though they are expensive and we want to be paying down in cash. They're just popping in optos. Once I start building cash by hand, I don't know if I'll end up with them. But uh, as of now, they're just projecting so great that um, they definitely should be in your pool, especially for cash games. Um, and that does it for week 10. As always, we appreciate you guys for watching and listening, whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Uh, if you guys give us a five star rating or review, it's the easiest way to give back to the show. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel. Please like the video. Make sure you hit that notification button so you know when we are going live. And there are links in the YouTube description to get access to the Discord server. Daigle and I in there every Sunday morning giving our last minute thoughts on the slate. Make sure you click that link to sign up for Legendary Upside to get Karen's walkthrough every single week. When you do sign up for 444, if you use the promo code YouTube, you will get 25% off. And once you do that, make sure you upgrade to the solver optimizer crane remind everybody what you got going on over at leg up yeah legendary upside you can check out the walkthrough every week and uh you know it's pretty in-depth deep uh statistically based article but there's also some jokes in there uh you'll, you'll get a few laughs you get a few stats uh you can hear me narrate it as well if you sign up for on a premium podcast feed uh, i'll also be getting out a free preview of that uh, later this afternoon on the Legendary Upside podcast feed, where wherever you get your podcast, you can check out that free preview. Uh, and a reminder for four for four subs, uh, two weeks we got uh, Thanksgiving coming up, so make sure you're checking out everything next week so you know the content schedule uh, for that week. I'll have that early next week. As always, follow all of us on Twitter. Karain is at Pat Karain. Legendary Upside is at Legendary Upside. Daigle at not J not J Daigle. Four for four is at four for four football. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We will talk to you guys on Sunday morning.